Yes, yes. Hey, thank you guys so much for uh, having me. Like Robbie said, my name is uh, Matt Alley. I'm the campus pastor of New Spring here in Greenwood, and I am honored and thankful to be here uh, because I, I really do believe that revival and blessing is coming to our community as uh, us in the body of Christ, the Big C Church, see that no little C church is a competition for anyone else, but we're all on the same team. And the more that that happens in this community, the more that uh, God's blessing, I believe, uh, will, uh, will pour out on Greenwood and on this community. And I believe we're going to see the revival happen as this continues to happen. So, uh, Robbie, thank you for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. And you've been in this series called Soul Detox. In the first couple of weeks, you talked about uh, having a restless soul, and you talked about last week having a heavy soul. And this idea of soul detox comes from, and all of us know what a detox is. If uh, People who have struggled with drug addiction, right, they go through a detox on their way to getting freed from that drug addiction, right? The first 48, 72 hours typically are this blackout period where they're detoxing people that struggle with alcohol addiction the same way. People who are trying to go on a diet, right, they typically go through a food detox, some kind of cleanse, some kind of something at the beginning of their diet, right? Obviously, uh, I don't do a whole lot of food detoxing, uh, but some people do, and I hear it's awesome. Uh, but uh, so maybe, uh, maybe you've heard of a food detox or, or for some people uh, before you get a colonoscopy, right? I've never had one, don't really want to have one. However, I hear what happens is your entire body detoxes uh, before a colonoscopy. And so maybe you've had that. And so that's where this idea came from, because the reality for us is there are things that we need to allow God to cleanse out of our soul. And that's what this idea of soul detox is all about. It is about our souls getting cleansed, about God being able to come and cleanse our souls. And so the, the, the premise, the theme of this series is going to be up here on the screen. It's this. We are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. In the Bible, the word for soul in the Old Testament and New Testament, actually, is best translated uh, not as soul, but as a living being. And it comes from the very, very beginning when, when it says in Genesis 2 that God forms Adam right out of the dust of the ground. He forms them, and then he breathes into him his spirit, and that turns him into a soul or a living being. So that's what this idea is. We're not a, we are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. And so I want you to know that today, that you are a soul. And so that's why we're talking about this idea today of a tortured soul. Because a lot of us in this room, if we're honest with God and with ourselves, we're probably struggling with this. And I wanted to start out by reading a story that I got out of a, a book by a guy named John Ortberg. He writes a book called Soul Keeping. And it's an incredible book if you ever have time to read it. And uh, it did a lot for me. God worked through that book in me in a, in a remarkable way. But there's a story in the beginning. I'm just going to read it so that I don't mess it up. Here's what it says. There was once a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth, and deep is the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and they played beside it. Swans and geese swam on it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream. High in the hills, 
far beyond anyone's sight, lived an old man who served as keeper of the springs. He had been hired so long ago that now no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. He would travel from one spring to another in the hills, removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might pollute the water. But his work was unseen. One year, the town council decided they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer. And giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury they could no longer afford. So the old man left his post. High in the mountains, the springs went untended. Twigs and branches and worse muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. For a time, no one in the village notices. But after a while, the water wasn't the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live elsewhere. The water no longer had a crisp scent that drew children to play by it. Some people in the town began to grow ill. All noticed the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the streams that fed the town. The life of the village depended on the stream, and the life of the stream depended on the keeper. The city council reconvened. The money was found. The old man was rehired. And after yet another time, the springs were cleaned. The stream was pure. Children played again on its banks. Illness was replaced by health. The swans came home, and the village came back to life. The life of a village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper. You see, the reality is us taking care of our soul is often an unseen type of work. It's not something we notice. It doesn't yell out like all of the external things do. And for a while, if we ignore our soul health, it might not make a difference for a while. It might not be able to be seen for a while. But I promise you, after time of ignoring your soul, eventually things will start happening and people will take notice and things will change because your soul has gone untended. The reality for us is this, the stream is your soul and only you are the keeper. You see, the work of tending to our soul is unseen, but it's unbelievably important. But it's really nothing new that we struggle with, right? We see people in the Bible. Peter says this in 1 Peter 2.11, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. You see, Peter was struggling with it. And Peter knew that people in the church were struggling with it. So people in the church have been struggling with this idea of tending to their soul for a really long period of time. As a matter of fact, we see Paul in the book of Romans, one of my favorite books uh, in all of Scripture. Here's what he says in in Romans uh, chapter 7. And, And I think this shows us a man who is struggling with his soul health. A man whose soul is a little bit tortured maybe a little bit tormented, and here's what he says in Romans 7. For I don't understand what I'm doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it's good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it's sin living in me. 
For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Does anybody ever feel like that? All right, where you're, you're, you want to do good and you have this desire and you just can't find the ability to do it. All right, you want to do good and, and you end up doing what you don't want to do and you end up not doing what you really desire to do. And so that's something that all of us, I believe, struggle with and it's something that Paul in Scripture struggled with as well. You know, there's, a, uh, there's this thing that, that I've heard of. I've never actually seen one of these. They're called sinkholes. Anybody ever, you heard of a sinkhole, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one. Honestly, for me, I think seeing a sinkhole would be two things. I think, first of all, it would be terrifying uh, to see things literally fall into the ground right in front of you. I also think that it would be fairly interesting to see a sinkhole happen, if I'm honest, as long as I'm not the one going in the ground, as, you know, as long as I'm seeing it happen. I think it would be pretty interesting to see. And here, here's what happens when a sinkhole forms. Sinkholes occur when the underground streams drain away during seasons of drought. So during seasons of drought, the underground streams end up uh, dissipating, end up draining away, and it causes the ground at the surface to lose its underlying support. And then it falls in and it caves in. And if we're not careful, the same thing can happen to our lives. Where during seasons of drought, if we don't take care of our souls, eventually the underlying support of our entire life drains away and our life falls in and caves in right in front of us. And I don't want to see any of our lives in here today become sinkholes. So that's why we're talking about this idea of the tortured soul today. So what are the things, there are four things I think this morning, these aren't all encompassing, I'm sure there are more, but four things that I felt like the Lord put on my heart to share that torture our souls, uh, if we're honest in here this morning. And maybe one of these uh, will hit you. The first thing that we are typically tortured by is by things that we have done. We're tortured by our past. We're tortured by things that are in the past, but they still come up. And the guilt and the shame that we feel tortures us. And it says this in Psalm 38, My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Maybe you feel like that this morning. That something that you've done in the past... The guilt and the shame of it are literally a burden that you feel like you can't bear anymore. You know, when I went to Clemson, uh, don't hold that against me if you're a South Carolina fan, I went to Clemson and I told myself that I was not going to join a fraternity when I went to Clemson because uh, I thought a fraternity was just paying to have friends. And so I said, you know, I'm not going to join a fraternity. Uh, if you're in a fraternity, no offense. Um, but I'm not going to join a fraternity. My dad said, hey, you're not joining a fraternity. My mom said, hey, you're not joining a fraternity. So what happened when I went to Clemson? I joined a fraternity, right. Uh, so there were uh, some guys on my hall that lived on my hall, and they were all joining the same fraternity, and so they said, hey, just come with us. And I didn't want to be the loser sitting on the, you know, in the honors dorm without any friends because I didn't join a fraternity. So at that point in time, I was still very fearful of man, so I caved into the peer pressure, and I joined a fraternity. And my first two years, I almost flunked out of school. I made a whole lot of stupid decisions. I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. I did a lot of things that, if I'm honest, I probably don't remember all of the dumb things that I did. And there are 
some times in my life where something will happen and it triggers something that I did during that time in my life. And it causes me to feel this guilt and this shame. God, I can't believe I did that. Uh, the, the guilt and the shame, it's just overwhelming me. I can't believe that I made that decision. I can't believe how stupid I was. And there are times in my life where I allow the guilt and the shame of things that I've done, things in my past, to overwhelm me and my soul becomes tortured. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're not there anymore, but it was the, the, the pornography or the lies or the cheating, or maybe it was the, the overeating or the overspending or the lying about finances. Maybe uh, it was being addicted to some substance, and these things are in your past, but you still cannot seem to get over them, and your past is still torturing your soul. So I think a lot of us might find ourselves in that place today. The second thing I think that can torture our souls is our present circumstances. I think we are tortured by our present circumstances. For some of us, it's because we are so worried and anxious about everything that our soul is constantly tortured. We can't go through life because we're worried about our kids, worried about our spouse, we're anxious about our jobs. We, we are worried or anxious about so many things, and it constantly wages war against our soul. So maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're struggling with worry or anxiety, or maybe the circumstance that you are presently struggling with is some kind of habitual sin that you can't seem to get out of. Right? Maybe, maybe you are currently struggling with pornography. Or maybe it's a, a, a struggle with some kind of addiction. Maybe it's a substance addiction. Or maybe it is a social media addiction. Right? If you can't go to the bathroom without checking social media, that might be you. Maybe it is a video game addiction. Maybe you're addicted to Fortnite. Right? Maybe it's some kind of addiction that you're struggling with. Maybe you're living or sleeping with someone you're not married to. And here's what I know the Bible says in the book of James chapter 1. It says this, But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. The reason that we're dealing with this today is because maybe you're struggling with some kind of habitual sin in your present circumstances, and you need to get rid of it because before it becomes fully grown and turns into death. Right? And so that's why we're talking about this today. Or maybe the thing that you're struggling with presently is just being too busy. You know, I, I think that busyness in our society today is the greatest thing that is choking out the Word of God and the relationship with Jesus with people today. Maybe it's your job, and you're allowing it to drown out everything else in your life. You're allowing it to drown out the things of Jesus. You're allowing it to drown out your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids. Maybe it's kids' sports. Right, and maybe you're allowing that to drown out the Word of God in your life and your relationship with Jesus because you are prioritizing your kids and their sports over anything else. Here's what I know, that your relationship with Jesus is the only eternal relationship you have on this world. So why not prioritize that? And then your relationship with your spouse is the longest temporal relationship you're going to have. So why not let that come second and everything else come behind that? 
Right, so we're tortured. Our souls are tortured in the present because of worry or anxiety or some kind of sin that we're struggling with or because of busyness. Uh, or maybe it's this third thing that we're tortured by. And this, uh, what I call this is we are tortured by source confusion. We're tortured by source confusion. And here's what I mean by this. There's a story when Jesus talks to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and she is dealing with what I believe is a tortured soul. I think there's a lot of shame. I think there's a lot of guilt. I think there are a lot of things in her past that she is struggling with. And so Jesus has this conversation with this woman. And they talk about several things, but one of the conversations, one of the things they talk about inside of this conversation is the reality that of this woman's relationship status. And Jesus says, are you married? And she says, no, I'm actually not married. And Jesus says, you're right. Thank you for not lying to me. You're not married. You've actually been married five times, and now you're living with guy number six. And then Jesus goes on to have a conversation with her, and what he says is, I need you to realize, dear woman, that I am the living water and the only one that can truly quench your thirst. And I think what he was telling this lady is this, that for her entire life, she was relying on her relationship with men to be her source of contentment, to be her source of fulfillment, to be her source of joy, of peace, and hope. And I think what Jesus is telling her is there is nothing apart from a relationship with me that can ever quench your thirst, that can ever give you true contentment and true joy and true peace and true fulfillment. You'll never get it apart from me. And so for some of us in this room, we're struggling with source confusion. For me, this was my struggle. My, my struggle was uh, this idea that my worth, my value, my hope, my joy, my peace, my everything was wrapped up in my performance. So when I was a kid, that played itself out in sports. right? If I, if I lost or if I didn't have a good game, I was crushed to the point of I didn't talk to anybody for several days. Because I was wrapping everything I had up into that. But as I grew older, it no longer became sports. It became my job. And my identity, my worth, my value, my hope, my joy, my fulfillment, everything was wrapped up in my, in my job and the things that I did. So if we had a lot of people at church, I was full of joy and hope and peace. If we didn't have a lot of people at church, I was not full of joy and hope and peace. Because my, my source was around my performance and not around Jesus. So maybe it's your job, maybe it's uh, sports, maybe it's your performance. I, I don't know what it is, but a lot of us are struggling with a tortured soul because our source is confused. And then the last thing that I think can torture our soul today is I think we're tortured by lies that we believe. John 8 says this, The devil was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, I think we're tortured by lies, we believe. I, I think we're tortured by uh, the enemy whispering in our ear, hey, that's just who you are. Or you did those things, so, so that's who you are. You are what you did. You did bad, so you are bad. You failed, so you are a failure. Right, You've already blown it, so you might as well keep blowing it. 
hey, whatever it is you're struggling with, you can't tell anyone about that. Do you know what they'll think of you if you tell them about that? And we believe these lies and we allow the enemy to torture our soul because of those things. So those are the four things I think that are torturing our soul in a big way today. I think we're, we're tortured by our past. I think we're tortured by our present. I think we're tortured by source confusion and by lies that we believe. But the good news is there's a solution. There's a solution for our tortured soul today. And so the first, the first solution for us, there are two things we need to do. The first thing is this. We need to realize it's better to confess your sins than to hide your sins. You need to realize that it is better to confess your sins than hide your sins. Proverbs 28 says this, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You know, I don't know uh, if any of you have ever been really, really sick, but I, w- I want to tell you about the time when I was the sickest I've ever been in my life. Okay, uh, And uh, my wife thinks I had the swine flu, Maybe I had food poisoning. I don't know what I had. I was really, really sick. So here's, here's what happened. I just finished grad school at Gardner-Webb, had just taken my last exam of school ever. And so my in-laws were throwing me a celebratory dinner for uh, graduating and for doing well and all this kind of stuff. And so they fixed one of my favorite meals, okay? So I sit down at the table, and I start eating, and I take a bite. And I feel my stomach start to rumble a little bit. And I'm like, this isn't good. But I power through it. And I take another bite. And my stomach rumbles a little more. And I said, yeah, that's not good either. And so I I take a break. And everybody's like, what's wrong? Because uh, if you know anything about me, you know that I don't come up for a breath until I'm finished with my plate. And I never don't finish my plate. Okay, So, So I take a break. And then I go at it again take a bite, and I'm like, okay, something's wrong. So I ask to be excused from the table, and I go in my in-law's bathroom. And what happens in my in-law's bathroom is that everything I'd eaten for the past month all came out of my mouth onto their shower, their shower curtain, their mirror, their floor, their toilet, everywhere, right? So I call Erin. I actually picked up my phone, and I called her on the phone and said, Erin, don't tell your parents, but I need you to come in here right now. It's kind of like that scene from uh, Dumb and Dumber where he doesn't want her to know that he stopped up the toilet, right? And uh, so that's, that's what I felt like. So, uh, so I called her, so she walks in, and she almost pukes from the smell. And then, and then her dad comes in, and so then he sees it, and I'm embarrassed, and he cleans it up, and he said, all right, Aaron, just take Matt home. We'll get this cleaned up. So on the way home, we have to. it's a 10-minute ride from their house to where we live. And uh, we had to pull over four times to allow me to throw up. And then we get home, and I'm literally so weak that I, that, I, that, I can't, that I can't move. And so I tell Aaron, all right, just lay me down on the bathroom floor right beside the toilet and put a, uh, put a towel under me and maybe a trash bag because I don't know what's about to happen. So she does that. So I lay down, and I actually fall asleep. I struggled falling asleep, didn't eat anything, drink anything. So finally I fall asleep. Okay, and I don't know how long I'm going to sleep, maybe a couple hours. And I wake up, and I smell something that smells really bad. And so I call Aaron, and I'm like, hey, is there like a dead rat or something in our house? I start like looking under the cabinets that I'm laying beside. Like, what is that smell? Right? And all of a sudden, I, all of a sudden I turn over, 
and realize that I've just pooped myself everywhere all over the bathroom. Everywhere. Okay? Here's what I know. When your body is sick, it gets rid of it. When, you're, when you have some kind of food poisoning, it gets rid of it. It comes out of you eventually. Your body has to get it out. Well, I think that unconfessed sin is poison to your soul, and you need to get it out today. You need to get it out today. Because confessing your sins is better than hiding your sins. And you need to confess it in two places. First, you need to confess it to God. And the reason you need to confess your sins to God is because that's where forgiveness of sin comes from. Right? You see David doing it all throughout the book of Psalms as he's confessing his sins to God because he knows that it is God where forgiveness and purification come from. Matter of fact, 1 John 1 9 says this if we confess our sins, he being God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise from God today. That confession of your sins will lead to forgiveness of your sins and God cleansing you from all unrighteousness. But that's not where it ends. You've got to confess it to God, but you've got to also confess it to somebody else. Because it is confessing to God that forgives our sins. It is confessing to others that heals us from our sins. James 5 says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So you confess it to God so that he can forgive you of your sins. You confess it to others so that you can be healed from those sins. And here's what I'm telling you today. God can handle it and you have other people in your life that can handle it too. So trust him enough. Trust God enough and trust other people enough to confess those things. And one of the greatest marks of spiritual maturity, I believe, is the amount of time between sin and confession. I think as you grow in spiritual maturity, the time span between when you sin and when you confess that sin is going to grow shorter and shorter. And so if you're struggling with any of those things today, confess it to God. Don't get out of here today without confessing it to God and confessing it to other people. You don't have to tell everyone everything, but you do need to tell someone something. So confess it to God and others today. The second, uh, the second thing that I want you to know that is a solution to a tortured soul today is knowing the truth that Christ will set you free. Jesus Christ can set you free. Uh, I want to read something to you. Uh, this is uh, maybe one of my, it has been for the past uh, you know, few years, couple of years, one of my favorite uh, chapters in all of the Bible, and it's in Philippians 4. And Philippians 4, verse 6 says this, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving for who God is and for what He's done for you, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul tells us if you're struggling with something, go to the Lord about it. Don't worry or be anxious. In other words, don't have a tortured soul anymore. Right? Go to the Lord in prayer about it. But then here's why I love this and think this is such a, a good thing. Later on, Paul says this. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because, once again, you renewed your care for me. 
You were, in fact, concerned about me, but you lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need. Listen to this. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with a little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, it is Jesus and allowing him to be your source and the living water that can quench your thirst that is the thing that can set you free this morning. It is allowing Jesus to be your source of contentment, your source of hope, your source of peace and joy that can set you free here today. You know, I recently read a story about some guys who were on a naval submarine in the World War II days. And one of the things they said is the captain of the ship, he was asleep for the night. And all of a sudden, he was trying to get some sleep, and he just felt some jostling around. He, he felt like something's got to be off because he, he just couldn't get any sleep because it was just, you know, the, the ship was tossing and turning back and forth. And so he wakes up, and he goes to what they called the bridge in those naval submarines in, in those days. And he looks out on the internal workings of the submarine. And he asked the guy who was piloting the submarine for him at the time, hey, is everything okay? And the pilot says, yeah, you know, there's just a lot, of, a lot of different ships and things that we're having to dodge out in the open waters right now. And the captain looks at the inner workings and, and, and how the people are responding and the people are reacting and how the systems are working. And he said, you know, I think everything's going to be okay too. And then he went back to sleep. And I think the reason that that's such a profound story is this. If inside, if our soul is in the right place, full of health, full of peace, full of joy, then it doesn't matter what kind of circumstances you face outwardly. You can know that everything's going to be okay. If Jesus is your source, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Everything is going to be okay. As a matter of fact, here's a couple of scriptures as we end. Paul says this, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. See, with Christ, there's a way out of a tortured soul. Hebrews 9 says this, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works so that we can serve the living God? It's God who can set you free this morning. There's always a way out. With the power of Christ, anything is possible. And I want to leave you with this last scripture here. 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25 says this, He, being Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
for you were like sheep going astray. But you have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Jesus can set you free. Your soul is the stream, and you are the keeper. Let's pray this morning. Father, we're grateful that in any and everything, no matter what it is that we're facing, no matter what it is that we're struggling with, no matter what our circumstances are from our past, from our present, God, that there is a way out of a tortured soul. There is a solution to a tortured soul. And that solution is very simple. Confession and belief that you are the only one that can truly set us free. God, I pray that you would move hearts in this room right now to do what you've asked us to do to confess, to allow you to come into our hearts to set us free. God, we are grateful for you, for who you are, for what you've done. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed in this place, if you're saying, you know what, I need to let Jesus set me free here today. I need to let Jesus come into my life and fix my soul today because it's tortured and I'm struggling and I don't know what to do about it. If that's you, I simply want you to, not out loud in your heart, just simply pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. My soul is struggling and tortured this morning. I need you to set me free. I believe in my heart that you died for my sins and you were resurrected defeating sin and death forever. I confess you as my Lord and Savior this morning. Amen.